On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the Thunder Awards and also the top storylines to follow regarding your Oklahoma City Thunder as the season starts this week. The NBA season is back, and we cannot wait to talk about all of it, preview all of it, and we're going to do that with our season preview right now, top storylines to follow, and Thunder-specific awards all coming up on the Locked On Thunder podcast, your daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. You can follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com, and even call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to break down the biggest storylines surrounding your Oklahoma City Thunder and hand out awards such as the Thunder MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, the Lou Dort Award, the Moses Brown Award, and even a Charlie Brown Jr. Award. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every single day talking Thunder basketball. Let's dive straight into our top storylines to watch for regarding the Oklahoma City Thunder. The first one is pretty easy. It's pretty simple. Can anyone join SGA as a legitimate building block in the sense of a legitimate just co-star that that you can build a championship team around? Not that they're nice to have on a championship team, but that you can build the foundation of a championship team on their shoulders, on their backs. Can somebody join that group? It's been a fantastic preseason so far for Josh Giddey. Josh Giddy looks like a blue chip prospect. He looks like a prospect that can change your future, that can change the course of your franchise. If you had to bet this based on the preseason, it would be Josh Giddy. He was that special. He was that good within the preseason. Unless you know how good Josh Giddy was in the preseason, Brian Winhorst took note of a random Wednesday night preseason game whenever Josh Giddey helped close out the Thunder only win in the preseason against the Denver Nuggets. He was special. Will he do that throughout his rookie season, throughout the course of his first 82-game season? We'll see. Can he put himself in that elite company? Because when you think about building a championship team, you're going to need three stars. We know that. We, ha- we think we have one in Shea, right? As the Thunder fan base, we think that we have a, a star in Shea. Gave him the max contract. That thinks that, that means makes you believe that the Thunder think that as well. And again, last year, barring a lifetime achievement award given to Mike Conley Jr., he would have been an all-star last year in the NBA. So who can join Shea on that upper echelon? That's the, that's the first and most important thing to watch for. Another storyline to follow along with is, can Shea be an all-star this year? And so with this question, it doesn't really matter if he is or isn't other than for our enjoyment, right? Like if Shea does not make the all-star game or does make the all-star game, 
the quality of player he is does not change. And the actual value he provides, the actual play style he has, the actual just ability to lead a franchise. But it is fun to see your guys in All-Star Weekend. And it is fun to have that recognition of, hey, even the even the national media, even the national landscape of players and fans understand how great our guy is in Oklahoma City. That's great. Can he do it? And I'm going to say yes because he's so good, but we have to remember there's only so many spots on the team. The fan vote plays a big part in it. The media and players play a part in it. And the Thunder record, in all likelihood, will not be very good at that point in time. So will they get passed over for players on teams who are having you know, top of the standings type of years? And another thing that's hurting SGA is that his stat line, I do not think was a fluke last year, but it's really hard to, to obtain. It's really hard to maintain. It's hard to overcome. I think he'll put up comparable numbers to last year, whether that's a little bit better or slightly worse or the exact same, whatever it is. It'll be all be comparable and it'll all make sense. But he's not going to have a ton of help. Defenses will key on him. He might struggle for a, a tiny spurt. And whenever you're battling all those other factors, small market and losing records, you can't afford to have any sort of bad stretch of basketball, which puts a lot of pressure on Shane in terms of making that luxurious all-star game, right? So no matter if his name's called on the ballot, you know, if he's on the actual roster, doesn't change the fact that he's a max player. He's a top whatever player, top 25, top 20, whatever. And he has top 15 potential, right? None of that changes, no matter if his name's called or not. But we do want to see it happen because of course we do, because Shea deserves it. And he deserved it last year. So that's going to be the top storyline. The number three storyline, will Lou Dort be a three and D player? He's a nice three-point shooter and has that elite level, top of the line, borderline best in the NBA defense. Or will Lou Dort be only a defensive player where last year's three-point shooting was a bit of a mirage and last year's three-point shooting cannot really be consistent and catch up this year? Or will Lou Dort just catch fire and be a legitimate two-way star? Because with Lou Dort, I think that the three-point shooting is legit. I think that right now you can put Lou Dort into that three and D category where you can knock down some tough threes. You can knock down open threes. And this preseason, he knocked down some deep threes. And we know the kind of defender that he is. He's a good free throw shooter. He has a solid mid-range game. The path for Lou Dort to become a legitimate two-way player that is great on offense and elite on defense or good on offense and elite on defense is simple. If he can improve his rim finishing and get it above league average, which right now it's well below that, it's it's very bad, then all of a sudden you're a guy who can hit shots at the rim, absorb contact, hit free throws, hit threes, and defend the perimeter at an elite level. And that kind of changes the aspect of Lou Dort. Since he's been here so long, the Thunder have shuffled in so many young players. We kind of forget how much room to grow Ludort has and how great he can still be and how much more maturing he can still do. I think that this year will go a long way in deciding that. And to be honest with you, neither of these options are bad. If he's only a 3 and D player where he's shooting 35, 36, 37, 
38% from three while playing elite defense. If he's only an elite defender with a free throw shot where you can't just hack a shack and put him off the court, or if he's a legitimate two-way star, none of them are bad options. So just figuring out kind of where he's at will be a big deal. My most fascinating storyline for just me personally happens within the first 60 games. Within the first 60 games of this 82-game season, we'll know if Josh Giddy can become the youngest player in the NBA to record a triple-double. That's how many games he has to try to surpass LaMelo Ball. Spoiler alert on the Bull Predictions episode, I'm going to say he will do it. I think that he has all the makeup, right? He's going to get a ton of minutes. He'll have a featured role on the team. He's an elite rebounder for his size. He has great vision, great passing. And we've seen in these first four preseason games, albeit preseason, he's found ways to create offense for himself in terms of points, which was the second area behind his defense that people were worried about the most. So getting a triple-double to me will happen this year and happen fairly consistently for a rookie. Like, obviously, he's not going to average one, but... You know, it'll happen more than once, let's say, for a rookie uh, in Josh Giddy. But can it happen within the first 60 games? I think that it will. So that, that would be a fun story. When you're looking at this team and you're looking at how well, they're probably not going to win a ton of games and they're probably not going to make the playoffs, what are those fun stories to follow along with? The Lou Dort buzzer beater from last year. It's Josh Giddy becoming the youngest player in the NBA to record a triple-double. And the fifth storyline to follow and we'll have five more on the other side. Does Pokashevsky take a leap? Does Alexei Pokashevsky take a leap to become that unicorn-type player? Now, obviously, he will not hit his ceiling this year. Even if he had a fantastic year this year, he wouldn't hit his ceiling. Because his ceiling is so undefined that it's impossible to hit right now. We don't even know how to begin to describe his ceiling. But what does he look like this year? Does he show more flashes of, okay, this guy could be like that seven-foot all-star that can shoot, that can score at all three levels, that can pass, and has the length defensively to be an average defender? If he's a slightly below average to average defender, plus with what he can do on, on offense at his size, that's a star in this league. That is a bona fide star in this league. But what does he look like? Or does he look lost and have a lot more bad than good? And does that jump happen from year two to year three? I've said all summer long, I would not be shocked if we don't see that huge leap from Pokoshevsky this year. If we see it more so next year, going in from year two to three. So kind of where is Pokoshevsky at will be a big deal to me in following along with this season and obviously to all of you. Now, I do want to say right now, my good friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is incredible. NBA fanatics, have you heard about Price Picks? Price Picks is a daily Fantasy sports made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Price Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy sports prop game on the market. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other daily fantasy sports prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes. Price Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardages to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown, as well as, of course, points scored, turnovers, 
assists, all that fun stuff. All of your users that deposit and use the promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use the code NBA. You pick two to five players in an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you against the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries, so you can take the over on LeBron James combined with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. Using the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play, entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's that simple. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Do not hesitate. Check out prizepick.com. Use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Price Pick is daily fantasy made easy. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game, another device that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sport highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, I wanted to tell you about a simple way to get all your entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way is to finally get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no more paying for another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of clutter and confusion and get your Direct TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. And guess what, folks? The Choice Pack on DirecTV Stream offers all these sports so you can watch the Thunder all season long. Thank you for making Locked on Thunder your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every single day talking Thunder basketball and the NBA in general. For your second listen, please make it the ultimate season preview with our insiders and experts breaking down the NBA season to get you set for the NBA season, which tips off on October 19th. And of course, the Thunder tip off on October 20th. So five more interesting storylines. Number six is one that I'm personally invested in, as you all know. What does Darius Baisley prove to be? I've been a longtime Darius Baisley defender. But this is, frankly, a make-or-break season for Darius Basley. Now, let's define these terms, because we've, as we saw this summer with these Shea rumors, it's important to define terms. Untouchable is the big term to define this summer. This year, it's make-or-break. If Darius Basley does not have the season that we all hope he does this year, and it's quote-unquote breaks, does that mean he's no longer on the Thunder slash no longer in the NBA? Of course not. Darius Spacely will play in the NBA next year, no matter what happens this year on the floor. Make or break just defines, are you still counting on him to be a building block, as I've coined him, building block Baisley? Are you still counting on him to be a vital pillar of your franchise moving forward? Or does he now move from the Shea, Ludor, Giddy pile over to the Ty Jerome, Isaiah Roby, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl pile. Where it's, yeah, they're nice players. They're good players. 
But if push comes to shove and we got to trade one or let one go, that's fine too. What does Darius Basley force the Thunder to do? I think that Darius Basley has all the talent in the world. I think that Darius Basley will have that turnaround. Fans are being ruthless with Darius Basley. Trust me, I make a ton of Basley content, and every time there's somebody commenting, messaging, oh my goodness, I don't like Darius Basley as a basketball player. This year, I think that Darius Basley will be put in a, be- in a better position and will look a lot better. Whenever you describe the Thunder positionless, positionless style, playmaking style, it describes Darius Basley to a T. The problem is, Baisley needs to be put in that position to be a playmaker and a ball handler and initiated in the offense. He also has to be aggressive. And I think that we're going to get that. But this goes a long way. If it's another letdown year for Baisley, you can no longer count Darius Baisley as that top of the line player, that, that top of the food chain, right? You go back to the kind of the hierarchy of the team. You're ranking players and you're seeing who you're going to prioritize minutes for, who you're going to prioritize long-term and investing in financially and roster spot-wise because the Thunder have another trio of first-round picks and the, the roster will get overturned again as it was this past year. It'll continue to happen until they get their foundation in place. Make or break just means can Baisley fit his way into that foundation. As you know, I call him building block Baisley, so I think they can. You know, I think that he absolutely can. But following that storyline will be huge. Number seven is just simply how far along is Trey Mann. Mark Dagnall has talked about having a baseline this year. And just looking at this season as where are all these players at? And to me, it's specifically prevalent with Trey Mann. I think that it's best that Trey Mann plays a lot of G League this year. I think that with Trey Mann, I know he's a good player. I know he can shoot the basketball. I know he can create a shot for himself, create a shot for others, and can create on the offensive end, unlike you know a lot of players on this roster. He's very unique in that way. However, he's undersized a bit. He's adjusting to the NBA lifestyle, that professional lifestyle, while also adjusting to the new speed of the game, the new length of the game that was not there in college. And if you play him on the Thunder roster in the NBA, you'd also be changing all those things we just mentioned, plus his role plus how he plays the game. And you don't want to change too much too fast. Let him get adjusted to those other things first, and then let's throw the new wrinkle in of, okay, now you're playing primarily off the ball. How do you gel with that where you might take six possessions in a row where you're off ball before you get your possession where you're on ball and creating for others? And so setting that guideline for Trey Mann will be huge this year. Because I have no doubt in my mind, and maybe I should, but I don't. I have no doubt in my mind that Trey Mann is an NBA player, that Trey Mann is somebody who can get a bucket in the NBA and can be a go-to scorer for an offense. Will he be the top scorer? Will he be an elite player and a guy that you need um, you know, just in your starting group? That's to be determined. But in terms of a guy you can rely on to go score the basketball, I think Trey Mann can absolutely do that in the NBA. But this, this year, we'll set a baseline for when can we project that to happen? Will it happen this year? Do we think that it's close enough to happen next year? Or are we saying at the end of the year, you know, he showed flashes, but it's probably going to be two or three years away. Where's that baseline at for Trey Mann? Because to me, it's not a talent issue. It's adjusting to the NBA game. Because once he adjusts, 
He'll knock down threes, he'll compile points, and he'll be a bucket getter. There's a lot of playmakers, a lot of facilitators, a lot of guys who can score. Not a ton of guys who can go get the bucket, who can go get it for themselves. And Trey Mann can go do that. So I want to see where he's at this year in terms of a baseline. Number eight, similar to our first question, but a little bit different. How many players actually matter long-term for this franchise? And again, just for this franchise, not for like the NBA as a whole in terms of how many players are going to be on NBA rosters in the future, but for this specific franchise, how many players actually matter whenever you're calculating roster spots and you're figuring out, okay, this team wants to be competitive again on X date on X year. How many players in that time frame will be on that roster that are on the roster today? How many actually matter long-term? And the interesting part for this season that was not there last year, the difference in getting excited this year at this time versus getting excited last year at this time is that the only players I think that you can for sure say do not matter long-term on the floor are Mike Muscala, Derek Favors, and Paul Watson Jr. I mean, those guys for sure do not matter long-term on the floor for this specific organization when this team wants to win a championship, when this team wants to compete for a championship. Can Paul Watson Jr. still be in the league when this team wants to win a championship and compete? Sure. But I'm not sure to be with this Thunder organization. So I don't think that he matters. Now, other guys will fall onto this group. The most likely candidate is Gabriel Deck. But as I said before, while I don't understand the plan for Gabriel Deck long-term, and I don't understand what the Thunder view him as, the one thing I do know is he's a good basketball player. He's a good basketball player in the NBA. He's a good basketball player in the Olympics. He's a good basketball player overseas. He plays very good basketball. So because he plays very good basketball, and the Thunder clearly like him enough to invest in him, I cannot just say for certain that he does not matter long-term. But after these 82 games, some people will join this group of not mattering long-term. Not to say they won't be here next year, but you can see the writing on the wall of, okay, by the time this team's ready to turn their roster over to the point where they're going to win championships, these guys will not be here long-term. And then how many guys can catapult themselves into what we talked about in the first question of guys who you absolutely know you can Sharpie down right now. If you if you write in Sharpie on a piece of paper today, 2023 or 2024 Thunder roster, you can Sharpie in Shea, you can Sharpie in Josh Giddy. How many other guys can you Sharpie in? How many other guys do you know without a shadow of a doubt will be in Oklahoma City in the year of our Lord 2024? Number nine. A storyline that I'm following closely is the Thunder should have zero boring, unwatchable games because of that fact that we just laid out where the only players who do not matter today are Mike Muscala, Derek Favors, and Paul Watson Jr. That means that the rest of this roster is important. Watching how they develop and interact and grow in this league, in this sport, from now until April is important. So it should conduce itself to having every game, no matter the record or score, be watchable, be enjoyable, be something to pay attention to. And lastly, the 10th storyline. From game one to game 182, what does that defense look like? I've praised Mark for his ability to improve defense at every level on an individual basis. As a team, though, how are they playing defense when they're using that small ball lineup 
where everyone can play make and your center six nine, how much better their rotations get, how much smarter do they get, how much more creative do they get, and how can they limit other offenses whenever their tallest guy on the floor six nine? I'm very, very curious about that. Those are your 10 storylines to watch for. Let me know your storylines that you're watching for on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stouts. Coming up, we're going to have our Thunder Awards. We have MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, Sixth Man, Lou Dort, Moses Brown, Charlie Brown Jr. Award, and so much more. All of that's coming up. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a fantastic protein bar. It tastes just like a candy bar. You can go to BiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BiltBar.com. They have amazing flavors like coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. My favorite flavor is the cookies and cream Built Bar. It is also the favorite flavor of Josh Lloyd. So go check it out. And Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft of Lockdown NBA Draft. So go check it out. Trust us. However, if you do not want to trust us, that's fine because you can order the mixed box. The mixed box gives you two of every flavor. You try them all out and then reorder the flavor you love the most. Most bars have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four grams of net carbs. They're all amazing. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. They're all great for you. Billboard.com, promo code LOCK15. Billboard.com, promo code Locked 15. Speaking of Josh Lloyd, make sure you're checking out Locked On Fantasy Basketball because you're likely cramming in those fantasy drafts and you're going to want to know who to draft and when to draft them in your drafts. So make sure you go do that. Thank you again for making Locked On Thunder your daily listen every single morning, your first listen because we are here for you every single day. Can you cut up to date on all things? Oklahoma City Thunder. So let's dive into the award predictions. Now, this is just for the Thunder, not for the league, right? This is only for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The MVP award for the Thunder, of course, it goes to Shea. Shea will be awesome, most valuable, best player. Shea is everything. Shea is life. Number two, Defensive Player of the Year award. Lou Dort, duh. Rookie of the Year award. Josh Giddy, duh. All right, now that the you know, formalities are out of the way, most improved player. I've got Darius Spacely. And when I think most improved for a specific team, I'm thinking of two things. Obviously, their skill set, their stats, whatever, but also fan perception. Who will make fans do a 180? Who will make fans do a complete turnaround of evaluating that player differently? And while we did see the big game from Baisley in the box score once in the preseason, he's also had a very good preseason despite the box score not matching up with that, except for that one game. So even whenever he didn't have the box score success against Milwaukee, against Charlotte, he was still playing good basketball. So he has a lot of momentum right now at the end of the year. I really like Darius Baisley. I like his skill set. I like his play style. I think his play style is an exact, exact copy of what the Thunder want to build you know, for the future of this team and how they want to build a team. He just has to put it all together. I think that he will this year. I think that he really will. So he's my most improved player for the Thunder. Sixth man of the year. I love me some Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think that Jeremiah Robinson Earl could catapult himself in the power ranking of players, right? Past Isaiah Roby this year. I think that he does exactly what Roby does, only shoots better and plays better defense. 
So when you look at those two guys and their skill sets and their role, that's a pretty important two things to do better than somebody. So I think that uh, Jeremiah Rupps Earl will be a great sixth man this year. Now, of course, he also has a chance to start this year, but uh, let's just assume he comes off the bench. The Lou Dort Award for the two-way player to be converted. Of course, you know my feelings on this. It's Aaron Wiggins. Aaron Wiggins is going to be a special talent. And I mean, what I mean by that is not going to be top five, top 10, right? But he's going to be somebody who you know you can count on. As we see in the preseason, this is a guy who's a rookie on a two-way deal who's trying to make the NBA, trying to solidify his future. Because, well, it's nice to play NBA basketball. Well, it's nice to be on a two-way contract and and you'd rather be on a two-way deal than no deal. There's also not a lot of security in that. So this this guy's a lot of pressure on him this season. And in the preseason, he comes in. There's a good training camp by all accounts from the players, from the coaches, from everybody who's seen him play. Good, good training camp. Preseason, preseason comes along. In the first three games, not a ton of burn. But yet, even after not playing for the you know 95% of the game, those final five minutes, those final 10 minutes, the, the final bit of run he gets, he's ready. He's you know engaged in the game. He understands the situations that he's in. He's effective. It is very hard to stay engaged for that long of a period of time while not playing, stay ready mentally that long of a team, you know, long of a time not playing, and also stay ready physically for that long of a stretch as a shooter, no less. As a shooter who needs to be in rhythm. How many times have you heard shooters say, uh, tonight I didn't have my rhythm with me or, or, or I didn't feel it tonight? He has to be on 24 7. He never knows when he's going to get in the game. He's always in stride with his jump shot. I love what I saw from Wiggins in the summer league and in preseason. And we know the Thunder love converting two-way deals. I don't, I don't really see a pathway for him not to be converted to a standard NBA deal. And it looks like a good draft pick from Sam Presti because while he's not going to be the reason you win a championship, he'll be the reason that you turn this franchise around. He will be a helping hand in depth. How many times did the top 1% of this Thunder roster were they good enough for a championship? But the bottom 1% wasn't there. Heck, the bottom 20% of the roster wasn't up to par. So finding these little pieces that sure won't, won't burst onto the scene and be elite, but certainly will help you win basketball games, is a big deal. As we've learned from the first go-around of this team, trying to win a championship. All right, the fun awards. The Moses Brown, Deontay Burton, Get Tricky Award. Which player will trick this Thunder fan base into thinking that there's something that they're not? For Deontay Burton, it was that wonderful summer league. For Moses Brown, it was last year that had many people. I want to reiterate that. Many people, my mentions, my DMs, on this everywhere, saying Moses Brown is the center position of the future for the Thunder. Saying that Moses Brown is the future for the Thunder. If you listen to this podcast before, you know my stance on Moses Brown is, eh, he's a gimmicky player. Matchup-wise, he's good to have on your roster because in certain matchups, you can deploy him, give a team a different look, and take advantage. But you cannot play him constantly on a good championship team, and you cannot start him on a good championship team, but you can play him in spurts. You can play him in matchups and in, and in certain situations of the game. He's like Bobon. You like that, Bobon. He's a good person, a good personality. But on the court, Bobon is just a gimmick. He's really tall. 
He's a weird matchup. He's a different, weird feel of the game. And you saw in the playoffs, he played a few times against the Clippers. They kind of panicked a bit. Then they adjusted, and they didn't play anymore. That's what Moses Brown is and always was. Get to Burton. Tricked everyone. He tricked everyone in the in the preseason in the summer league. Right? Who's going to trick this Thunder fan base? This one is hard for, for this year. There's not somebody that just leaps out as a for sure tricky player. So it's hard to kind of tap somebody as that, but for the sake of being consistent, we'll do it. Gabriel Dak. And I say this because he's going to be good. I don't know the plan for Gabriel Dak. I don't know if the Thunder view him as somebody who they're going to invest in and keep around for five, six, seven years. I don't know what Gabriel Dick wants to do. Does he want to stay in the NBA that long? Would he rather go back overseas and, and be elite over there? But I do know Gabriel Deck, and this is the only thing, I know, only thing I know about him, the only thing I know about Gabriel Deck is that he will be a good basketball player. He'll be in the right position. He'll be in the right spot. He'll make the right decision. He'll make the right read. He'll rotate the right way. He'll shoot when he needs to. He'll pass when he needs to. He'll score when he needs to. He'll run the play effectively. He'll do everything by the book and be a good player. That's all I know about Gabriel Deck. And so in a year where you might be losing a ton of games, and you will be losing a ton of games, when you have one player on your bench that is doing everything right, that never has lapses, and that never has those off-the-backboard shots like Pogoshevsky will, it can trick a ton of casual observers into thinking, Gabriel Deck, that's your starting point, power forward of the future. That's your starting center of the future. But in reality, Gabriel Deck's a good bench player in the NBA. And a great player overseas. That's the reality of it. But he can trick people because of how effective he'll be off the bench. The best lineup award. I think that SGA, Dort, Giddy, Baisley, Favors will be the starting lineup and also be the best lineup in terms of production. The most fun lineup. If we see Shea, Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, Pokoshevsky, Jeremiah, Robertson Earl, that'd be incredibly fun. That'd be wacky. It'd be weird. It'd be awesome. Bonus points if we get small ball five Baisley. If if we got Shea, Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, Pokeshevsky, small ball five Baisley, I might combust. That's like what I dream about at night. It's a little embarrassing, but, it, but it's true. You know I love me some small ball five Baisley. So if that happened, pretty fun. The Charlie Brown Jr. worst lineup of the season. I think will be a Tail Malmon, Trey Mann, Pokashevsky, Gabriel Deck, Mike Muscala lineup. I, that just sounds that just sounds bad. It does. It sounds disgusting. It sounds like pickles on pizza. That's what it sounds like. And then the George Hill trade deadline letdown award. Remember last year, we're all just refreshing Twitter, refreshing Twitter, trying to figure out where's George Hill going? What can you get for George Hill? Is he going to change the landscape of the NBA? just a random trade to Philadelphia that nobody really cared about, right? I think it's going to be Kendrick Williams. I think that Kendrick Williams will play well. He'll do exactly what he did last year. And then he'll be in the trade rumors at the deadline. He may or may not be traded at the deadline. And if he is traded, it'll be a return that you just forget about in two weeks. Like that's that's going to be exactly what happens, I think, at the deadline. I don't see anything big happening at the deadline. I think that the big move happens on draft night, the Thunder. And you just kind of are biting time until then. But that's the awards. That's the storylines. Let me know your top storylines to follow along with on Twitter 
at Ryland underscore styles. Let me know your award picks at Ryland underscore styles as a bonus award for those of you who have stayed around this podcast this last season and know our Moneyball picks every single game, who will lead the team in three-pointers made, who will be the Moneyball champion. Again, this is different. It's not just who has the most total threes per se. It's who, on a game-to-game basis, is knocking down the most threes, which I guess is the same. I don't know. Anyway, I think it'll be Ludor. I think that Ludor will have the most Moneyball wins, which, of course, as you know, we crown the Moneyball champion every single game as who had the most three-pointers made for that specific game. Ludor is the leader in the clubhouse to me. That's who I think will win the championship. So if you bet Ludor every single day and I turn out Ryland's prediction, you'll likely win the Moneyball championship and thus get a Thunder prize from me at the end of the season. You can always tweet at me on game days at Ryland underscore styles or email lothunderpod at gmail.com and submit your Moneyball predictions each and every day. And if you can beat me and you finish number one from all the listeners, you will win a Thunder prize. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Thunder. Tomorrow, we have bold predictions and some betting stuff. Wednesday, we have our jazz preview for game one and also our NBA predictions as a general league and award predictions and things like that. And then it's go time. Thursday, we'll do our first recap episode. Friday, we just set for the Rockets game, the, the home opener, and the week that was in the NBA. So much to do this week. So much fun. Make sure you're subscribing, liking, rating, reviewing, commenting on all your platforms, including YouTube, for free. It's a Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day.